I can do things that wear it without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Coney Island, world's biggest barrel of fun. And anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the wonderful world of theme park design, that is. You've just set sail on a voyage to discover the who, what, why, and how they did it via in-depth discussions with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and with me as always is theme park master planner, designer, and spatial storyteller from Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Which way are we headed today, Mel? Freddie, today's journey is very special. We're going to take a journey to a project near and dear to both of our hearts to explore the world of experiential learning and education with Elisa Whiteley, who's the director of Poverty Encounter, a new walkthrough immersive experience in L.A. Uh, She's an educator at heart. She's passionate about helping students understand the world they live in and how they can make it a better place. She was part of a team that developed the Air Force One Discovery Center, which actually won a Themed Entertainment Association Thea Award in 2009. And now, on top of all that, she leads Poverty Encounter, which represents a completely revolutionary new take on themed environments. Uh, one that doesn't just virtually take you to the four corners of the world, but actually drop kicks you out the exit and allows you to then be part of changing that world. Yeah, that's right. This is a very personal episode for both of us. So it's going to be a journey to remember. All right, folks. Keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat, because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. Wow, Mel, here we are. We're talking about a project that really started our relationship is right from the beginning of our relationship. Uh, the the beginning of this thing this called like Poverty the, Encounter. The genesis story it, of it, uh, themed attraction. It really is. Yeah. This is this is how we met. Uh, is working on this project together. I, I'm excited. Likewise, yeah. It's been a, a long story uh, coming, and can't wait to finally get it out. Yeah, I want to say it's like. 2010, 2011, uh, that we met because wow. uh, the company that I was working for, Children's Hunger Fund, wanted to create an immersive experience around uh, their mission, which was to serve hungry children in different places around the world. And uh, the idea of uh, sitting people down in front of a, a video, a documentary video about hunger, well, that really does move people. Or you show them great photos from the field, and that moves people to want to give and want to want to serve. Um, but uh, it always seems to be just arm's length, you know. Uh, I would travel with the president of the company, uh, Dave Phillips. We would travel to these places around the world and take a lot of pictures and come back and try and tell that story. But it just, so frustrating. It's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't really tell that story. And then there were opportunities where we'd take certain key donors on trips, and the, you know a dozen people at a time, and they would see firsthand the impact in those places uh, of just the simple gift of food, and they would come back enthused, excited, ready to you know hit the ground running and stop the the. Um, horrible things that are going through the lives of these kids. And so we started brainstorming, and Dave really wanted to make it into something that people could walk into. Um, that's a big 
job. And anybody who's in the themed entertainment knows, hey, if you want to create something you got to walk into, it's a big job. And so we enlisted the help of a whole bunch of people along the way. We had uh, some Imagineers from WDI came in and helped us out. Um, just a dream experience for me as, a, as an old Disney fan. And then from there, you know, it wasn't enough for just to have my sketches on on paper or uh, had a buddy build a, uh, a sculpture of what it would look like, you know, a little a little model with a, uh, a scale person standing in the front of it. Like that wasn't that enough. Yeah. It's fantastic. Beautiful little uh, model built of what we wanted it to look like. No, we needed to go to the next level. And that's how we met you and I. Uh, we engaged Storyland Studios to help us create the next level, start talking about real drawings. What would throughput look like? What would uh, the number of, uh, of beams and what, sp- what size space would we need? What footprint would we need to have for this thing? And then start drawing elevations and start uh, really thinking through the story. And that's how we met. And uh, it's been fantastic ever since, although it took quite a long time to make this thing happen. Well, along the way, we really got to work with some just uh, great friends and partners. Um, Robin Hall, uh, again, a theme park legend, veteran designer, former Knott's Berry Farm director uh-huh. of design, and uh, Bruce Green, who's uh, a buddy over at Thinkwell, and uh, our entire team of artists. And uh, again, definitely a special project, and I can't believe we're, we're here at this point talking about uh, this this real live thing that yeah. uh, any of our listeners can step into any day they want. Yeah. And uh, we got an opportunity to see it. You know, we, we got through the drawing stage, we drew the elevations, and then it was up to construction to begin. And and so there was a couple years there where we didn't see anything so of it. The, you got to pay for this. Yeah, little, somebody's got to pay. Thing. So they did the fundraising with, um, uh, you know, we're not, we didn't see any of this. They did the fundraising. They did the, they got the city to sign off on it. They did, uh, they, they, they had the, uh, the backing to be able to do it and then um, brought in other companies to construct it. Fantastic. And just the other day, uh, you and I got an opportunity to walk through it and Wow, what a privilege. And and what it looks like, and we'll get into this a little bit in the podcast, but essentially you really do get this opportunity to walk into a garbage dump in Guatemala and see the way kids and families live, living on subsistence living, just digging through the garbage dump to find something they could sell to buy food. I mean, what an impactful thing to walk through and to see. Uh, you get to go into... Haiti, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, right after the earthquake. And it's real. I mean, it looks as real as it can possibly look. You get to go to the brickyards in Nepal where families are lifelong uh, uh, indentured servants building and making bricks. Kids start as young as six years old carrying bricks uh, for these companies. And it's a horrible, horrible thing to see and understand. And uh, Children's Hunger Fund, Poverty Encounter did their best to represent that uh, in a real way. And here's the thing, Mel. I I went to Haiti uh, 10 days after that earthquake in 2010. And I took a bunch of pictures and I saw with my own eyes what it looks like when a building has fallen down on people and you see the rebar sticking out of the cement and you suddenly realize how horrific it is. News pictures don't do it justice. You, you need to smell the cement and see the rebar and re- reckon, and understand the weight of what really did happen at that, that place to really understand the sorrow, the pain, the suffering that people are going through. And so 
to walk through this experience and see how they recre- recreated it and how uh, the, the photographs that I took and the drawings that the Storyland team put together had now culminated into what we could actually walk through and look at. I think it's an amazing, amazing experience. And I hope you felt the same way. It was moving to my very core. It was definitely a definition of transformational. And uh, it's kind of interesting because it's kind of the exact opposite of the architecture of reassurance that uh, John Hitch talks about. But again, uh, all about moving towards uh, uh, life change, world change, and transformation. So um, it, uh, it's just an amazing story that I think, um, you know, digging into my personal story, I really just always resonated with being born in Saigon, Vietnam, getting out right before the fall of Saigon, Mm. um, having a chance to adopt some kids from around the world, uh, and, and do quite a bit of traveling. My wife, Lori, uh, worked for uh, Convoy of Hope and Feed One, and we led groups, uh, together to Haiti and experienced this stuff firsthand. I've been over to Ecuador with Compassion International to see the the, the community and, and family life changing work uh, that some of these organizations are allowed to, allowed to provide and and again to to be able to uh, not have to get a passport and immunization and get on a plane and to to be able to step foot in this outside of a, a world city like L A yeah. um, is just a, such a unique uh, opportunity. Yeah, one of the key phrases when we were working early on with about it uh, with. Uh, when we were sitting with some Imagineers, one person joked that it was the anti-Epcot. I mean, Epcot is all about showing the most uh, wonderful parts yes, the of the culture. Distilled, the, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's beautiful, and and it does exactly what it's there for. Um, but on the other side of those facades, in the real world, is is some pain, and so Poverty Encounters doing its best to tell that story well. Um, so I wanted to ask you this question: You've traveled the world. Uh, you grew up, you were born in another country. You've seen um, poverty firsthand. So what is something, now you talked about your kids, what's something you want your kids to understand about the world that they can't get just living in, you know, Orange County, <laughs> Los Angeles, California, United States of America? Well, I guess there there's definitely that layer of uh, kind of uh, feeling like, uh, you know, the matrix of, of wanting to wake them up from that dream. That mm-hmm. is that, you know, mm-hmm. bubble that we live in, in a suburban first world, you know, uh, America, particularly Southern California. Um, but beyond that, beyond just the, hey, you know, uh, be blessed, you know, feel contentment yeah. and feel gratification for what we what we have. Um, I think beyond that, I think the deeper layer for me is um, the way that, you know, you find beauty in ashes. You Mm -hmm. find joy uh, in the midst of great need. Uh, The way that uh, humanity has this unique um, ability to to just uh, find joy and contentment. I mean, again, seeing kids play in the conditions that they play in and... uh, be so happy with uh, what what they are provided with. Um, uh, I think that lighter side, I think, is something that is was something unexpected that yeah. I found that that really does help increase even more so the the level of um, contentment and peace uh, that I find at home with my family and kids. Yeah, yeah, and it it's really I, I think about my own kids that I want them to uh, understand that the world uh, is different than it is uh, inside their own homes. I want them to understand that there's other people going through other things, and that when they understand that, they can respond better uh, to any situation, uh, understanding that 
that it's not all about them, that it is about other people and serving them. And so that is, as you said, the most transformational part about this this place. And it's not about settings. Uh, it's about stories. Uh, throughout this, uh, throughout Poverty Encounter, there's fantastic video storytelling, uh, helping you understand the children who do live in these places. And yeah, I can't wait for the rest of the world to see it. Well, that's the idea behind Poverty Encounter, Children's Hunger Fund's new walkthrough educational experience. They're going to help students see the world with fresh eyes and maybe, just maybe, live differently because of it. So hold on to your hearts, folks. Here's the interview with the director of Poverty Encounter at Children's Hunger Fund, Elisa Whiteley. So here we are at Poverty Encounter at Children's Hunger Fund. Um, This is preview weekend, and we are so excited to be here as part of it. Um, Can't wait to begin our interview with uh, our guest today, Elisa Whiteley, who's the director of Poverty Encounter. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. This has been a long time coming. We've got- What a journey. Yeah, really, (laughs) uh, quite a journey. Mel and I have personally been involved in it along the way, and it's so exciting to be here with you. And today, what we're- um, we, what you like to cover uh, in uh, the Themed Attraction podcast, we love to cover uh, the disciplines, what it takes to create a themed attraction, um, like any of the theme parks or uh, themed museums and places like that around the world. We love to talk about what disciplines it takes to make them. So we wanted to talk to you as an educator and a person who runs themed uh, attract, uh, themed attraction, how the education factor influences the way people experience the attraction. Absolutely. So uh, tell us a little bit mm-hmm. um, about where you come from and uh, what you, what led you here sure. to today. Well, I've been involved in education um, pretty much my whole career. Um, I worked in the uh, tutoring industry, building up programs uh, for individual students. I created a GED program to work with adults to get their high school diplomas. Um, And then I came from recently was at the Reagan Library for seven years. So I've always worked with teachers, um, worked with educators, and worked with students mostly to be able to build a lesson um, or a program that was going to have an impact on them. Yeah. You know, I love the Reagan Library. We, you know, out on the on the left coast here, we don't mm-hmm. have nearly as many uh, experiences where you can step into the stories and, and history mm-hmm. uh, as much as, you know, uh, folks in the, in the, even the East Coast and especially the mid, Midwest. But um, what a great, I've told so many people that, you know, mm-hmm. the only thing that could even compete with some of those great experiences uh, is the Reagan. So how did, how did you even connect with uh, that organization? Um, it, to be honest, I went in cold. No I didn't know anybody when I applied for it. Did you it. at least like Reagan? Um, <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, oh, I did. I did. I remember going. I live I lived close by, so I remember going um, on field trips there. Okay. Um, but when I was in school, they didn't have the Air Force One Discovery Center, which yep. is the program that I ended up be, uh, being the manager of. Um, so the first time when I went, I actually applied for my boss's job. Um, <laughs> and uh, they brought me in, and they said, actually, we think that you would be better suited for the Discovery Center. It wasn't a posted position at that point. And when they took me through, um, much like the first time I heard about uh, Poverty Encounter, 
you see something for the first time and you just are blown away yeah. and you go, wow, yeah. what is this? You're right away immersed in this environment and it's unlike anything that I had ever seen before mm -hmm. when I went there. Um, so what they did for the Discovery Center was they basically made a replica and a model of an air, uh, the Oval Office, a military command center, and then a White House press room. Um, and then it ended with a flight home, which was a mini Air Force One. Nice. <laughs> so that program was designed at the time when I started, it was for fifth through eighth grade students, and ultimately um, we expanded to high school level. But they, we saw about twenty five thousand students a school year wow. in that program. So over the course of seven years, I was able to um, have. 175,000 kids go through that program. So it really taught us a lot and really helped me um, understand how are you going to uh, craft a program that is going to continuously grow to have an impact on students um, no matter what level that they come in at. So powerful because a lot of times, you know, especially more on the entertainment side, we'll talk about edutainment, we'll talk about moments mm -hmm. of inspiration or, or insider education, but uh, to talk about lifelong transformation mm -hmm. and impact uh, is really powerful. And uh, to get to do that, kind of two projects in a row here, is, is yes. quite a, quite a Very batting blessed. average for you here. Very blessed. Thank you. Yes, um, I think being in those rooms with the students, we would hear things like, I'm going to join the military one day. Right. I how do you? I want to work for the Oval Office. I want to go to Washington D.C. Um, kids that said that they had they came in with a passion for journalism, but leaving the press room where they actually got to be a reporter, yeah. um, they got to be behind the camera, they got to be in front of the camera. So all of that is just playing into the depth at which they are going to connect mm -hmm. with the mission of what your program is. And our mission was to develop the next generation of student leaders. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fantastic. For those who haven't been through it, give us a little bit more detail about those replica rooms sure. that people go to. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been through it, and I, you really feel like mm -hmm. you're part of history in there. Uh, you, you are, and the students are in a role that they never could imagine themselves being mm -hmm. in. What fifth grader thinks that they're going to be President Reagan for the day, <laughs> making decisions with the, when the clock is ticking, and they have to make a decision um, related to the Operation Urgent Fury? That was really the scenario that was developed. Um, so we developed to speak to the educational component, um, developing lessons ahead of time. So pre-curriculum was really important because you can't just pluck students out of their day-to-day -day classroom, put them in the Oval Office and think they're going to understand what a cabinet does, right. what members of the cabinet wow. do, yeah. or putting them in the military room and having them make decisions which, um, quote unquote, have to deal with um, people's lives. Lives are at stake when it's involved with military decisions, and yet they don't know what the branches of our military do. Mm. And so even though the program itself, they would be on site, um, they had the tour of the museum, they had the Discovery Center situation itself, we had a classroom lesson. It's It was a four-hour program, mm. but that still it wasn't going to get them to the level of understanding that we wanted them to walk away with if we didn't do some front-loading of information ahead of time. Yeah. Wow. So that really helped be able to get them to understand more about what they were doing yeah. when we added education ahead of time yeah. and work with teachers to develop curriculum to do that. That's great. And the storyline of that experience culminates in the press room where mm -hmm. the decisions that have been made actually change. So from, um, you know, mo modern theme parks are trying to put their finger on that um, special sauce of mm -hmm. creating situations where the actions that the guests take 
has an impact on the way the story is going to go. I mean, I think about places like Knott's, uh, their uh, Ghost Town Alive, and then the uh, way Star Wars Land is supposed to come out, you know, mm-hmm. where your as soon as you check into your hotel room, you are a character and that flows through your entire experience there. So how do how did you deal with that as an educator to deal with a historical situation mm-hmm. that has to play out historically and yet things would change along the way? Uh, that's a really great question because ultimately the decisions that the students would make it didn't matter to us that they were historically accurate mm. decisions because so much of the lesson could be done in their critical thinking and mm. how they are going to arrive at a decision. And some of those decisions were in line with history and sometimes they were not. But the point of it was afterwards that we could debate and deliver, uh, deliberate about it. Yeah. And they could, uh, we can say things like, we can't go back and change history, mm. but we can absolutely learn from it. Mm. So what would President Reagan have done? Here's what he did do. But what if he would have gone the other way? Yeah. And so those were the lessons and the takeaways that we wanted the students to have. That being said, we wanted to make sure that they left with an accurate yeah. <laughs> um, historical knowledge of what really happened with yeah. Operation Urgen Fury. And so the wrap-up in the press room really spoke to that context. Wow. wow. Well, I'm sitting here in a kind of a, just an amazing situation. I just had a chance to walk through the experience uh, after years of dreaming about it. And again, the whole journey from, uh, well, we use the term blue sky to building uh, a lot. And to be sitting in front of both of you guys, uh, with uh, Freddie on the one hand, there with uh, the founder and President Dave uh, Phillips, and um, to be in that blue sky session with you so many years ago, yeah. uh, when you reached out to whoever you could yeah. <laughs> at mm-hmm. WDI at Imagineering, and then to now uh, experience kind of the baton pass, I guess, to uh, mm-hmm. Alyssa here to actually have to kind of rein this thing uh, into a sustainable, mm-hmm. <laughs> ongoing uh, thing. Um, Fred, you mind just giving a quick uh, kind of, you know, the initial, you know, seed of the idea? Yeah, it, um, I, re- I remember Dave looking at pictures of his sons after taking them to different places. There's one picture that I, I remember um, uh, seeing uh, Justin Phillips. He's just a little kid. Now he's a big guy and he works at Children's Hunting Fund, does all kinds of stuff. But um, he, he was this, this little kid with a food pack on his shoulder in an alleyway in what I believe was a garbage dump in Nicaragua. It might have been Nicaragua. Anyway, uh, nevertheless, Dave came home saying, my kid is so impacted by this. I want other kids to be impacted by this. How can we start, uh, how can we tell that story so other kids can be impacted by that? And he, uh, he and I, he asked me, figure, figure this out. <laughs> and it's so strange, it's like, how can we figure this out? So we started making drawings, started taking photos uh, and putting them together, sort of trying to composite, well, what is this place like? And each time I traveled with Children's Hunger Fund to a different place, I would take pictures. And it's so strange to walk through the experience now and see some of the exact same pictures that I took now built into a themed design. It's, it, that's an incredible some opportunity. Some of your global benchmarking, was it Shanghai or, or Milan's World Expo, where you're kind of yeah, benchmarking yeah. some. Of oh it. yeah, you're going into. Uh, I went. I did. I went to the Milan's World Expo, and you know, you're looking, and you'd go in and see what these. Which the whole theme was food and feeding. Food, the yeah, that's <laughs> right. And and now seeing how uh, those programs actually are working or not working in particular places. So I mean, we're seeing true stories being told here, and that's what you did at the Reagan, and now today you've developed. Uh, the educational component and lead what 
Children's Hunger Fund is doing with Poverty Encounter. So tell us a little bit about how you're telling the true story uh, and and impacting kids, just like Dave Phillips' son was impacted. Mm -hmm. How are you hoping to tell that story? First of all, I'm not telling the stories. The stories were already in existence. Mm. Um, Children's Hunger Fund being around since 1991, uh, you could imagine the volume of stories of lives that have been Mm. impacted by the ministry um, and serving in all of these countries. So the stories already existed. Um, And like Mel mentioned with the Blue Sky sessions and our, our team that have been doing this for so long and dreaming about a way for um, for the funding to come in and praying over every little aspect and saying, okay, what if this is going to be a reality one day? Mm. Um, so really that reality for me came when I started a year ago and um, had all of the transcripts that had been, um, our communications team had sat down with our ministry development team to be able to say, what, what are the hopes and dreams of these children living in mm-hmm. poverty? Um, what are their life like? What, what is their life like? What are the unique challenges to them based on um, all of the areas that we're serving. So really, um, I think I distinctly remember a time when I had been here for maybe two weeks, three weeks, and getting those transcripts and looking at them and being in my education mindset and thinking, okay, I can get through this one by noon. I'll finish this one by tomorrow. (laughs) I'm going to take a first pass and then I'll do some notes. And and I just... um, I opened him up and started reading the first one and couldn't even get through the first page. I remember you telling me that. I was just bawling, sitting at my desk all by myself going, how is this going to be achieved? These are heartbreaking stories. I know we want to bring visitors in and young children. Um, It's the point of impacting the next generation, but these are so... the stories of the suffering. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just personally experienced something. Uh, as we were waiting to go in, um, there was a, a, a couple of ladies that kind of were rushing to get out, basically. Uh, basically, they were, um, they were volunteers that had, that had volunteered here every week for, yeah, I'm not sure how long, but they were pretty regular. Um, but they got about halfway through and they were just so overwhelmed mm-hmm. emotionally by the reality of mm-hmm. what this all meant mm-hmm. and what they had been doing all along I, and kind of getting that moment for the first time. And I think that's helpful. the thing when people, everyone is going to come in at a completely different place mm-hmm. of their own personal experience with poverty. And so, yeah, we've seen it already. Even before the finished product, um, pastors come in visiting from uh, Honduras, for example, mm-hmm. and they just, in that first room already, they're brought to tears yeah. saying, these are the homes of the families that mm-hmm. we serve. I mean, it's this so realistic that it just goes deep within their heart, and it's exactly what they do on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Versus, and and so you kind of you couple that with children coming in who haven't ever experienced anything other than California or even Disneyland. Yeah. If we want yeah, to talk about vacations, needing to share their Xbox it, with their yeah, sibling. Exactly. So you take those two different types of users, and you know that you're trying to build a, a user journey um, that is going to impact both of those cases. Yeah. Um, so really being able to, um, again, kind of going back to those transcripts and really just realizing that I need to slow down. Mm-hmm. I need to pray about it before I even open up any of these, um, documents. And I just need to see where we're going to go from here. And yeah. I think in the beginning, that's where I started to realize that, um, we needed to build more than one program. 
that we needed to take a layered approach to mm. the way in which we were going to share with guests um, the complexities mm. of poverty mm. and the depth of our ministry. So we actually have been, um, our teams have been working um, for the past year, our video team and our communications team and the Poverty Encounter team to really um, show how are we going to do a first phase, which mm. we've ultimately come to call the cycle of poverty phase, mm. and a second phase, which is the cycle of hope phase, mm. so that guests can come back and have a different experience the second time going even deeper into poverty, wow. deeper into scripture, deeper into our, the stories of the children that we're sharing, with ultimately a goal of actually having a third phase as well. Well, I was always blown away by just even the the promise of not just, again, exposing, educating um, you know, the idea of transporting people to the four corners of the world and understand the four major causes of uh, poverty, but leaving them with the ability to actually do something to change the world and to, mm-hmm. to actually walk into the room where you have this massive warehouse and they actually have the ability to mm-hmm. package food up and, and do something. But um, but tell me more. I mean, that the idea of going even beyond that to, uh, takes it to a whole other level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... Um we don't know what the outcome's going to be. <laughs> That's just what we're we're praying for that God um, t- finds a way that for each individual coming through here that they will realize that there is a way that they they can help. Mm. Um, and so we make it very tangible um, for the very first visit that they can actually go directly into the food pack room and start bagging beans and weighing macaroni and sealing uh, you know the bags that we have of food, knowing that the next place that food is going to go is to a family mm-hmm. directly in need. So they feel right away that they are part of the solution. Mm. Beyond that, you know that's that's up to God. Yeah. <laughs> but I, we know that they're going to have a response yeah. and that and that's really our prayer. Sorry folks. We'll be back with the rest of our interview in just a moment. But first, these words. Did you know that one in every 3 websites is built on WordPress? WordPress sites are super versatile. In fact, if your website is not on WordPress, you're losing out. You need the WordPress experts at My Studio Space LLC to help you out. Their friendly staff can build your new website, give your old site a facelift, or they can help you make those stubborn little changes that you simply don't have time for. My Studio Space will help you claim your domain, your custom email, and set up your entire site. Visit them on the web at mystudiospace.com or call 407 701 7577 to get started. And here's an outrageous special offer for you, our podcast listeners. Switch your hosting from GoDaddy to My Studio Space, and they'll pay you $100 cash. Just mention themed attraction when you call to redeem your offer. That's mystudiospace.com. I remember that being part of uh, conversations when we would talk about like, what's the answer? What do you want to do at the end? What's the goal? And I remember talking to Dave and I thought, you know, well, naturally it's a fundraising organization. You want to raise money. Well, the, the natural thing is to, well, make a donation to Children's Hunger Fund. But what he surprised me with was, well, I don't know. I know that one kid might go become a missionary out in some place and open an orphanage. One kid might start uh, some, a, a barbershop in his town so that uh, he can help homeless people. I mean, and that was 
a surprising action is that it's not about uh, getting donations. It was about changing hearts. Mm-hmm. And they will. Yeah. <laughs> they will. Those kids will go out and they will do that. They mm-hmm. are um, absolutely, I mean, when you think about the, the younger generation, um, high school students and college students, they, they have the, the world ahead of them and they want to change the world. They yeah. want to change it for the better. Um, and so being able to put this experience on their heart and really empower them to see what they can do from there is really something that's very exciting for us. We, we can't wait to see what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to share without kind of spilling the beans too much yeah. and revealing the entire <laughs> Don't give away experience. secrets. <laughs> um, I did think from a, you know, uh, concept development, uh, concept design, blue sky perspective, just to give people a little taste test of the experience, uh, you know, some of the original blue sky ideas of how we would actually get people into the story. You know, the original thought was because you guys have had an existing program of having thousands of of, of students and kids and families coming through for years that had come to the facility uh, to to volunteer. but we thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun to kind of minimize our expectations on the front end originally uh, and just walk into a, a boring kind of safety training video, cheesy, fluorescent, you know, dimly lit <laughs> room that they think, OK, before you're you know, going into a warehouse, you know, here's your basic safety training video. And then to, you know, then to surprise them a little bit with a simulated you know, earthquake and yeah. now the walls come down. And this was not too many years after the Haiti earthquake. So the idea that you'd be standing in the aftermath of the Haiti earthquake. Um, but Freddie, I thought it'd be interesting for you to share kind of the, the functional throughput uh, yeah. as well as creative reasons for needing to, to Kung Fu pivot uh, on that original direction. Yeah. So um, as we were talking about how our, one of the issues was there was two, we knew that this was a small area of space. You, you might recall this. I'm telling you this as though you don't know. Um, uh, there were small numbers of people who could come through. And I remember you and I, um, we sat down. I was like, how many kids can you get through? And then how many chaperones do you need with them? And we were really struggling with this. I think a so lot of people just don't understand how much industrial engineering and throughput you know, yeah. kind of comes into these types of And that's, of why, I was so, that's why I'm so glad you're, you're in charge of it. Because it's, <laughs> it's like that, that was so exciting to hear that story early on. And you, you impressed upon us, upon Children's Hunger Fund, that... Hey, you, you, you kids need longer time in each of these spaces. So that forced us to, instead of designing a one room where everybody goes through all at once into splitting people up. Mm-hmm. And so now you had to get them to a so hub. From kind of a linear loop to mm-hmm. kind of a hub and spoke. Yeah, to a hub and spoke, which is a fantastic thing. I don't want to give it away. <laughs> so I'm not going to. People have to come and see how you get to the hub, but it's mm-hmm. a fantastic, um, beautiful trick. And so now t- would you speak to the idea of bringing people into transporting them into these areas? And what's the importance of taking them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nearly physically to these places. Yeah, I think that's a, another part of the program design that when I um, sat down with our ministry development team, I really had them um, map out for me what they, they're, they're the ones with the experience. They have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not. So what does when you are in a dump, um, let's look at all of the senses. What do you want our guests to see? Because what do you see when you're there? What do you want them to feel with their heart? What do you want them to um, smell? 
Yeah. <laughs> what do you want him to say? Mm. Um, what do you want him to think? So all of these different ways, what do you want him to hear? So in having them be able to do that for an adult visitor and a, a child visitor for the dump, for the disaster, mm. for the brickyard, for each of the rooms, um, it really allowed us to be able to go, okay, well, they need to hear the sound of trucks roaring. They need mm-hmm. to hear the, ha- the sound of children laughing because kids are kids. Mm. And even though they're living in a dump, they're going to be playing. Mm-hmm. So all of those allowed us to be able to say, okay, well, that could be accomplished through sound design. Mm. And what they see, okay, these are what we need to focus on for our video team, for when they go and they capture the real footage. Mm -hmm. So being able to look at all the different senses and put that all together is really how you're going to immerse them Mm -hmm. in an environment. Mm -hmm. And um, just in the experience of being at a place like the Reagan Library with with all of the visitors that we get, um, flow is huge. (laughs) Flow (laughs) traffic and flow and uh, number of guests. And so being able to have that experience to speak into this was, um, was incredible helpful as well. Um, timing, how, how long, how are you going to take them through an experience that's going to just continuously get deeper and uh, more involved and um, more shocking, but then also realizing that you can't just depress people. Right. You can't take them on this really long journey where they're going, they're feeling um, saddened and their heart is heavy and it just continues and goes on and on and on um, because people are just going to check out. Yeah emotionally they're going to check out and then you're not achieving anything at that point so really um our team was very intentional about the way that how are we going to weave hope throughout Mm. and little nuggets in the beginning but then that it would build and build and build upon and the the final room i just i love that the final room is the hope room yeah and that's really what it's all about you guys leading leading straight to hope you mentioned Mm -hmm. some of the um tools of the trade Mm -hmm. in the toolbox, I guess, in terms of designing for all the senses, but it really struck Mm -hmm. me, you know, being in, for example, the the sewers, you know, and feeling Mm -hmm. the the temperature difference, the the humidity combined with the sounds and the, Mm -hmm. wow, just uh, what an impact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, before before we let you go, we should should wrap up, but before we let you go, um, I want you to tell us how the, we we saw some of the videos Mm -hmm. and we saw some of the children in these videos Mm -hmm. and it wasn't enough to hire actors for you you were going to film in a real garbage dump in Guatemala Mm -hmm. uh, where people really do live can you tell me a little bit about what it was to tell the story of real kids using those real kids as part of the story Mm -hmm. yeah so that was um, crucial I just think that there was that was a mission critical element mm. that we needed to portray um, real families and real children. Uh, that being said, um, when I came on, I came to understand uh, and have a deeper appreciation, which I didn't know in the beginning, of how our mercy networks serving in those countries, how those families are um, really protected as well. We mm. don't want. We didn't ever want to make it seem like we were exploiting them for our own benefit or our own use. So all of the children that are portrayed in each of the rooms are real children living in those situations, as you mentioned, living in a dump. Um, But the stories that they are telling are from our Mercy Network. Mm -hmm. So we kind of coupled those together to be able to um, authentically portray mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. lives of the children living in those situations. Wow. 
really appreciate the sensitivity, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of approaching it and handling it, giving it authenticity mm-hmm. without the, mm-hmm. you know, actually using. Yeah. It, it didn't come without its challenges yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because challenge. the relationship, the relation, um, relational aspect of Children's Hunger Fund with the churches and the pastors that we serve, it would make for a natural uh, you would think um, a way into have a there we go. That's a family. They're real. That's who we're right. serving, and they can tell the actual story. But that uh, not using our own families and finding other ones definitely posed its challenges mm-hmm. because then our our video team to go in and to scout the location. For example, mm-hmm. they did that cold as soon yeah. as they landed. They yeah. had a day or two to find the perfect brickyard that was going to be featured in the brickyard here. So um, well, I yeah. hope the listeners get just a sense of the care, the intentionality, mm-hmm. even in just making a decision like that of managing that tension between authenticity, immersive realism, um, but really just having, uh, I think, a really great uh, God's heart, you yeah. know, sharing mm-hmm. God's heart for um, these communities. And there's a responsibility that you have in telling this story not to harm, but to to mm-hmm. really honestly help. And I, I think that comes across. It's quite, it's really quite beautiful. Well, thank you, Elisa. This is huge for us, um, especially having seen some of it for, for so long. And then, and then to hear your heart and to know that your, um, your energies are towards helping today's young people understand their world and then make, truly make an impact in it and change the world. I mean, this is a world changing Themed attraction. I mean, it's amazing. I can't wait for people to well, see I, it. I can't think of a better example. I mean, I use the term that story forms who we are, but then story has potential to transform who we become. And this is probably just one of the, the best examples in my uh, career that I've had a chance to, yeah. to do that. Well, so it's, I'm so humbled to join you It's a huge blessing and honor to be here talking to you guys today. And um, thank you for sharing Poverty Encounter. I just hope more people come and they get to see it when we open in December. Believe me, they will. <laughs> they you. will. Thank you. Wow, Elisa is is such a passionate person about helping students understand the world around them. She, uh, you can tell just by listening to her voice and the the way that she um, says things that this is a life mission to help students be transformed through the things that they can learn, and especially here at Poverty Encounter. It's an amazing opportunity to do so much with just a little bit of space. And now that you've been through it, Mel, what do you think? You know, um, gosh, I can't even put into words. Um, It is striking to me the way that uh, the the right people come together with the different skill sets and talents, Mm -hmm. you know, from... um, you know, Dave and his unique personal heartfelt vision and and steadfastness kind of, yeah. you know, in just pushing this through and yeah. casting the vision and getting the fund raised, uh, you coming along and being such a, a, a part of that creative heavy lifting and, mm-hmm. and making that happen. And then again, um, for her to, to join the team, um, to have someone with Elisa's background and and passion for for not for again taking the reins of this uh, amazing toy or this yeah. car, you know, taking the <laughs> keys, uh, but then really being able to make that bridge uh, into uh, you know changing minds and hearts um, of uh, particularly again next generations uh, kids. What a what a beautiful picture of kind of the the motley crew of humanity <laughs> that it takes to to change the world. Um, but again, uh, just coming out of that, um, and again, as I was walking in, um, experiencing people that were uh, just so overtaken by emotion leaving, 
you know, endeavoring to come back to, yeah. to round it out. But th- these are people that have been plugged into the mission of the organization. They've been serving. They've been filling food bags for a number of uh, at least months, if not years. But they said this was the first time it really hit home for them, the why behind what they were doing. Yeah, it was really something very special for me. I know it was special for you, and it's going to be special for everybody who comes through Poverty Encounter from now on. Um, I just want to thank uh, the folks at Children's Hunger Fund. This is uh, an amazing thing for them to have accomplished. And most most especially, I want to thank Dave, the president of Children's Hunger Fund, for um, his faith in this project, making it come through to where it is. I mean, he was really the Walt Disney of the project. Uh, his friendship to me is just uh, invaluable. And so, um, and really t- amazingly, this is my first uh, theme park, themed entertainment project that I've ever worked on. And so it's super personal and very special. And I can't thank him enough for giving me the opportunity to serve alongside him in that that whole process. Just super, ah, can't <laughs> say it enough. So anyway, Poverty Encounter opens October, I'm sorry, Poverty Encounter opens December 8th in 2018. If you're listening to this before that, uh, hey, come to the premiere, uh, the opening. But if you, uh, if this, whenever you listen, I want you to get tickets. You need to go to get tickets. So go to povertyencounter.org right now to get tickets. I'm anticipating knowing uh, Children's Hunger Funds the way uh, Children's Hunger Fund the way I do. This is going to sell out to July before you even know it. I mean, get to their site, get your tickets, and come see Poverty Encounter uh, when it opens December eighth. Well, we've just passed under the falls, Mel. So we're just a few clicks from home. Better head back to the dock. Until next time, thanks, folks. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. Take a minute to leave us a review on iTunes Podcasts and share the show with your friends. Our guest was the director of Poverty Encounter, Elisa Whiteley. Follow her work at Poverty Encounter on Instagram, at CHF Poverty on Twitter, or find them on Facebook. Then schedule your life-changing visit at povertyencounter.org. Get access to more stories and interviews at themedattraction.com, the world's most comprehensive site on theme park and themed attraction design. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at Skipper Freddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson. Other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Find him at barryrhill.com. You know, Mel, Barry's a great singer. He once asked if he could sing a solo here on the show. I said, sure. Solo, we can't hear you. Thanks for listening, folks.